Welcome to Gardening Naturally with Jeff Ferris. Call or text Jeff now with your gardening and landscape questions. 512-836-0590. Hey, good morning, gardeners. And what a lovely morning it is. We're getting that fall temperatures. I mean, this is this is some really impressive gardening weather. Today, we're going to be maybe the mid-70s. Uh, Sunday and Monday, same thing. The low temperatures are not too cold. They're good temperatures for growing things. Most of our winter crops will really appreciate them. And we don't have a freeze. Well, there's no freeze forecast through Friday. That means that uh, Thanksgiving, hopefully, will have decent weather. And we kind of want that because we don't want people traveling in bad weather. That's just, that's a no-no. If we can avoid it, it's great. But it looks like we're going to be able to have a true fall Thanksgiving. Sunny days and uh, no rain. Now, I will take the rain. I got about a quarter of an inch this week. Not enough. That's not enough rain. But I'm not going to reject it. I mean, every drop is precious, right? So when I can get it, I'm, I'm going to take it. It's really, it's really okay for us to take every little bit. Now, what should we be doing out there today? Well, weeding. We never stop weeding, do we? That's kind of like the perpetual problem in the garden is weeds. So with the cooler weather and as much moisture as there is in the soil, you should be able to really go to town and get weeds completely out of the garden. I mean, root and all. And when you do that, that's pretty much guaranteeing that weed's never coming back. And that's what we want. That's what we want. We want that clean palette of the ground. Um it is coming. We know that the first frost is due. We've been lucky so far. I mean, those of you in the hill country are probably laughing at me because you already had a freeze. But we haven't here in central Texas. Statistical average. Okay. You know what they say. There's lies, damn lies, and statistics. Well, the statistical average says that it's around December 1st for us. So we have, oh, about two weeks, about two weeks before we're going to have a problem and should be expecting rain. Now,
uh, expecting rain, expecting the freeze. I have peppers and tomatoes in the ground yet. And the fruit is there. Got some really great looking peppers, but they haven't turned red yet. They're just trying to show a little blush right now. And they're supposed to be red bell peppers, but they're thick walled. They're very firm. They look great. I'm hoping that we don't get the freeze because if I can get two more weeks of non-freezing weather, I stand a really good chance of those peppers turning red. And as for the tomatoes, as soon as the weather guys go, sorry, we're going to have a freeze, I'm going to go out there and pick them all. Yep, anything that looks like a tomato that's still in one piece, I'm going to pick them all. I'm going to bring them in the house, and I'm going to get a paper bag and put them all in the paper bag. Close up the bag, and every day I'm going to open that bag and look and see if I got anything that's rotting. What happens is as the tomatoes mature, they will give off something called ethylene gas. Ethylene gas will trigger them to turn red. Ethylene gas ripens lots of fruits, and it can make some flowers bloom. And the easiest way to get them is rather than leaving them outside where they can never concentrate enough, is to bring them inside, put them in a paper bag. You do have to check them every day because I'm sure you're going to pick some that are not ripe enough, that are not ready to turn color, and they may start to rot. And that can cause bad diseases on the rest of them. So you got to throw out the bad ones every day. Just peek in there. Nope, they all look good. Bad ones go in the trash. That'll work well for tomatoes. It will help you get bright red tomatoes. And because you got them inside, you don't have to worry about them freezing. You may wind up opening that bag and being able to make yourself a great salad with your winter leafy greens and add fresh chopped tomatoes to it for Christmas dinner. Now, that's a good tasting tomato on Christmas Day. That is really what you want to shoot for. Um, those of you with sweet potatoes in the ground yet, that's okay. But if we get a frost or a freeze, you need to go out there the very next day and you dig up those sweet potatoes. Otherwise, if we get a frost or a freeze and it kills the top vine, it'll start to rot the sweet potatoes that are in there. And you don't want, you went to all this trouble, you don't want to lose them. And remember, with sweet potatoes, they're different than what we would consider Irish potatoes. When you put a potato, an Irish my wife will call them Idaho potatoes because she's from there. When you put it in the ground, it's going to form potatoes very close to the center stem. But with sweet potatoes, 
they will run routes many, many feet, many feet. And you have to lift those roots and start pulling them up to find all of the yams, the tubers, up and down that root. They could be growing tubers 10 feet away from where the plant was planted in the ground. So they're a bit more work in harvesting. <clears throat> With the sweet potatoes, remember, gentle care, gentle handling. If you cut them, if you peel off some of the outer flesh by accident, that potato will not cure properly. And you need to eat it first. It'll be tasty, it'll be safe to eat, but you need to eat it first. If you lift them out of the soil, don't take the dirt off them yet. I mean, brush it off a little with a gloved hand, but let them dry out before you get it all off of them. You don't want to, uh, you don't want to bruise it. You want that skin to harden like an onion would so that you've got a long-lasting tuber. They can last uh, three months in cool, dry place. Three months means you're eating them in January or February. Folks, this is Gardening Naturally. I need to take a quick break. We'll be right back. This is Gardening Naturally on News Radio KLBJ with host Jeff Ferris. Jeff is ready for your calls or text messages at 512 836 0590. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Looks like a decent day to be outside. Um, one task that I'm going to try, it's a lot more work than I'm really wanting to put in. You know, over the years, I've lost a lot of trees. And generally, we've cut them flush to the ground. Now, some of the trees were so big, cutting flush to the ground is still you know, several inches up. And some of the trees cutting them flush to the ground have started to rot over time, and we're just picking up huge pieces of root, broken trunk, etc. But I have a bunch of little ones, um, a plum tree that I had cut down, uh, a, a crepe, uh, not a crepe myrtle, um, a mountain laurel things like that. And the problem is the trunk over time sticks out higher than the ground now. And I cannot tell you how many lawnmower blades I've had to replace because I didn't see it and I smacked it. That was not a happy experience. So here soon, I'm going to rent from the big box store a stump grinder. <laughs> and we're going to see if I can get some of those out of there and uh, grind them down. 
Let's go to the phone. This is Randy. Randy, what can I help you with? Hey, good morning. Good morning. I wanted to, I wanted to ask you about uh, two different plants. One is date palm. The other is mulberry. Uh, do I need two date palms for it to pollinate, and do I need two mulberries for pollination? I'm, I understand this is the best time of year to get them, to plant them. Well, the mulberries are self-fertile. So you shouldn't have to worry about getting two of them. As a matter of okay. fact, they they produce very well on a single tree. The date palms, okay. good luck. I I don't know anyone in the area. You can plant the date palm and it will grow, but I don't know if anybody has successfully produced date. Our environment is just not quite right for them to too cold it gets too cold yes and if you were going to plant one to try it i wouldn't wait till spring just to you know not risk the investment too much but they are not um they're not known i mean you can't go to the farmer's market and buy a bunch of dates that that okay. would be something that would be something that if it was a successful tree here you would see people planting it and harvesting more but i okay. i i don't now i okay. do want you to know randy it can still grow here i just don't know that we've got what it needs to fruit here all right well, that's that's what I was hoping for was fruit. So, so that yeah, helps I, answer that. Now, you did mention sweet potatoes. Can I ask you real quick, or are you? Yeah, got a long line. I don't want to interrupt it. Uh, no. Okay. Years ago, years ago, our granddad talked about planting regular potatoes in a tire, and as and as soon as it would break the ground on one tire, that you would put another tire on it, fill the circle with dirt, and 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 you could grow up you know, pretty tall, as high as it could. And anyway, the the thing was, it produced a lot of potatoes. I'm wondering if that same thing, because you were mentioning how the tubers on the sweet potatoes need to be treated gently. I, I'm wondering if that same principle would apply for sweet potatoes. If we were to take a big tire, fill the donut hole, per se, and let the potatoes, you know, just grow out into the outer area of the tire. Do you Not know if that those. would work? For sweet potatoes? Yeah, not, not, not with the sweet potatoes because they run roots so far. They could make uh, tubers twice the distance from the tire. So keeping them, trying to keep them controlled in that area, I don't think they're going to be super happy with you. And number two, you can do that with potatoes. Um but that's not a trick you use with sweet potatoes, especially since they okay. run those roots. But you could grow in a single tire. They'll try to wrap around in that tire. No guarantee of how many uh -huh. you get. And, Randy, tires, they're nasty things. So if you're growing something in a tire, 
that plant is possibly picking up all the nasty stuff they use to make the tire. Don't know if that passes into what you're going to eat, but it's something you should something you should consider. Okay. Okay. That would explain why I felt so tired. Sorry. That was Okay. <laughs> that helps. I know. It's a winner I'm, for the day I had so corny far. Joke. I hadn't got a good one yet. Well, that helped. That'll work. I appreciate yeah. it. <laughs> well, well, you have a wonderful good. day now. You too. Um, okay, that's my my first pun of the day. That was pretty good. Um, <clears throat> I wouldn't do it in tires. I have done plants in tires like that. And to make it even better, I would paint the tires, the outside of them, so they didn't look like these big black blobs. But tires have nasty stuff in them to make the tire. The processes they go through to turn it into rubber and steel and put it all together, that could wind up being picked up by the plant. Now, that's my choice. I used to do it till I started looking into it. You want to do it, just be aware. Just be aware of what is in the tire and what the plant may be taking up. Folks, this is Gardening Naturally. I need to take a break. Uh, Marilyn, I see you there. If you hang on, I'll catch you on the other side. This is Gardening Naturally on News Radio KLBJ with host Jeff Ferris. Jeff is ready for your calls or text messages at 512-836-0590. Welcome back, everybody. Let's go to the phone. This is Marilyn. Thank you. Jeff, I was uh, late in planting red clover ground cover. Is it still too late? And if not... Should I put compost on it? Uh, part one, it is not too late. Even if we have a freeze come up, that's one of the things about clover. I wouldn't waste my time because I don't know when it's going to frost or freeze, but it can survive pretty cold weather. The sooner you get it in the ground and it gets started, the stronger it will be when we get cold. Well, it's going to be put in today. Yeah, today is fine. <clears throat> okay, and uh, do I fertilize it or what do I do? I've never done this before. All you have to do is make sure all the seeds you can are in contact with the soil. Okay, so sprinkle the seeds out. Maybe you take your rake, turn it over, and drag it through there to help get the seeds to touch the ground. And after that, uh, you can just kind of leave it be. There's a chance, not a great chance, of rain coming up. But if you sprinkle it, the soil probably has some moisture in it now. Yeah. We've been getting these super foggy, humid mornings. I think it'll do just fine. You don't need to fertilize it. It's a fertilizer. Remember, it takes nitrogen out of the air and stores it. 
in the soil for you. So you don't need to fertilize it. Okay, and can I fertilize my lawn today with organic sure. fertilizer? Sure. Just okay. understand something. The grass is going to turn brown here soon simply because it's going dormant. When? Probably really close to our first freeze. The advantage of it turning brown and going dormant, you don't have to mow it. So there's pros and cons of this. If you fertilize, you are feeding the roots of the grass, which is really important. Well, I fertilized it about a month ago and put some uh, uh, compost on it because, you know, of the, of the drought. And it's really coming back better than, than I thought it would be. And one part I'd like, you know, people to know that I think it's called, what is it, hound's tooth or uh, horse, horse, horse um, for your yard with the yellow flowers, mm-hmm. and it was nothing there before, and I think it's called horse hair or horse herb, horse herb, horse I think. herb, yes. Yeah, and it, it, it really is. has taken over in one place where it was hard to have grass grow. It was, it's just covered, so I have good uh, ground cover for that. You know, if you fertilized a month ago, Mm-hmm. I don't know, and, and you put down compost. I don't know if you need to fertilize again. I don't think you'll hurt anything, but I don't know that you need to do it. Yeah, I I just wanted to recover so good. Well, okay, I'll wait till spring. Thank you, Jeff, for all you do for so many of us. You're welcome, and thank you, Marilyn, for the call. Yeah, folks. Um, winterizing let's let's talk about that term your grass is going to go dormant the central texas turf grass does not stay green all year long that would mean it's not evergreen but that doesn't mean it's not growing the better the roots the better the turf grass so if you fertilize in the fall and it doesn't have to be some ridiculously high number. If you use an organic fertilizer, especially a granule, it will break down slowly and the grass will be able to take nutrient when it needs it. That means if you fertilize once in the fall, that's all you should have to do. And you could start again in the spring. So if you've already fertilized, you shouldn't have to do it again. If you have not fertilized, it's probably a great weekend to do so. The weather's nice. It doesn't require a lot of work on your part to toss out uh, fertilizer. You can usually do it with your hands. And the results will really improve your turf, will help it recover, but will improve it for uh, next spring. We've got to bring that soil back. 
because we need rain to soak in, to go deep, and to really... Um, really grow well. The healthier the turf, the better we're going to do. And I want to tell people about top dressing your turf. You, This is basically, you're going to take a good quality compost. You are not going to purchase topsoil. It is not topsoil. You want compost. Topsoil can contain way too many weed seeds, and I don't want to spread weeds all over my yard. <clears throat> you only need to do about a half inch thick layer. It's not a benefit to do thicker than that. You can literally block the sun out from the turf and kill it. Now, some turfs, that's not going to happen. Bermuda, real thick, well, it's going to take it a while to recover, but it will. If you've got St. Augustine and you put two inches top of uh, compost on top of it, you can black out the the. Um, St. Augustine grass, you wind up killing it. So if you put too much down, just go out there and start to thin it out a little bit. Just rake it around and spread it out. You do not need more than about half an inch to make a difference for your turf. Too much compost too much of this top dressing, and you're basically putting a cover over your grass. And with it going dormant right now, it's not going to be able to grow up through it to get sun to go dormant. This can be a poor impact on your turf. <clears throat> so now's the time to do it. Just make sure you're doing it right. Uh, oh, classic question. When's the best time to trim trees? I've had a couple of arborists and gone back and forth over this, and to some extent, it's kind of a personal call. I always thought it would be best to let the tree go dormant and drop all its leaves, if it's the kind of tree that does that because then you get to see into it and know what's bad. I had an arborist tell me that, no, we want the leaves on it when we trim it because that tells us where to open it up. Like, okay. If you're doing oak trees, now is the time to trim them through the end of January, okay? If you're doing any other tree, when it's dormant is one of the best times, especially fruit trees. If you have other trees like an elm or something like that, you can trim them now. You only have to paint the wounds of oak trees. 
if it's not an oak, put the paint away. You don't need it. All right? If it's an oak tree and the cut is more than an inch, it's worth your time to get paint on it to cover the wound. Now is the lowest oak wilt risk of the year if you're doing oak trees. That's why we prune them now. It's not zero risk, but it's pretty darn close. So trimming trees, dormant time for fruit trees is one of the best. Oak trees, now is the time. Other trees, you can trim them as needed. Just make sure you have clean tools and make nice, clean cuts. Folks, this is Gardening Naturally. I need to take a break. We'll be right back. This is Gardening Naturally on News Radio KLBJ with host Jeff Ferris. Jeff is ready for your calls or text messages at 512-836-0590. Hey, welcome back, gardeners. Um, we're coming up on that time of the year where we're going to start running into questions about some of the things we planted. <clears throat> Generally speaking, we would have planted our perennials by now. Right, get them in the ground, get them time to set some root. They'll be able to make it through the winter. However, some of our plants, let's take the fig. We get a fig and usually most of us are uh, looking at ones that aren't really big containers. You know, maybe we get a five-gallon container fig, and it's, say, 18 inches tall, maybe a little more. And we would plant them in the spring. And we'd let them grow, and they get taller and taller. But because of that first year in the ground, even the first three or four years in the ground, that fig will freeze back. It won't kill it, but the top will freeze off. <clears throat> you don't need to do anything about that. You just need to give the fig time. As it matures, it'll come up in the spring again and it will grow, and each year as the roots start to uh, adapt, start to acclimate, you'll get a bigger and bigger tree till you reach the point where it doesn't freeze to the ground anymore. It is not a bad thing if it does that. And the only way to truly, well, there's two ways you could prevent it. One is to put a tent of some kind over it to keep it as warm as possible. That still doesn't guarantee that it won't freeze back. Got to remember, in a tent, if you're not in a sleeping bag, it's going to get cold in that tent. Not as cold as being outside. So 
even covering the plant is not a guarantee that you keep it from freezing. It can help, but we get cold enough around here that, surprise, even protecting the plant, covering it, things like that, under the covers, it will get cold enough to freeze. Don't worry about it. Figs do this. Keep them mulched. Keep them uh, compost a couple of times a year around them so they develop their roots. You can, quote, wrap them with frost cloth, but that doesn't guarantee that it's going to be always above freezing under that cloth. That's not how frost cloth works. So don't worry so much. If you put a fig in this spring, it's had plenty, plenty of time to start developing its roots. I have a fig that it took it five years before it finally stayed above the ground through the winter. And in the spring, the stems that were above the ground started to leaf out. That was a, that was a big deal for me. It was particularly, um, it was a particularly uh, special fig, not one you find everywhere. And I really wanted it to make it. Well, it looks like it has finally. It doesn't freeze completely to the ground. But like I said, it took five years before I finally got it to stay above ground through the winter. Now, if you get a bigger fig, one that's already got a bunch of six-foot branches on it, and they do sell them, and you put it in the ground, you have no guarantee. Excuse me. You have no guarantee that it still won't freeze. And maybe those tall branches will stay, or maybe they freeze back. That's one of the things about getting a, spending a lot more for a bigger fig. It could still wind up that you got to cut them stems down because they froze back. So there's the advantage of a smaller fig. Saves you a few bucks and it's still gonna be a beautiful tree. And there may not be a whole lot of difference in time before it produces figs compared to one that's, you know, a 20 or 30 gallon container. Don't worry if they freeze. If you've had them in the ground more than a few months, Unless we have the freeze apocalypse again, where we are below freezing for five days, never got above freezing, we'll be okay with them. They will come back. You can mulch them thick, and you can cover them, but that still doesn't guarantee you don't wind up with freeze damage. It reduces the risk, but it doesn't eliminate it. We still get cold here. I remember getting to four 
degrees here in Central Texas. It was the year of the fountains in my yard because I broke a bunch of water pipes. <laughs> Not a happy time to be out there trying to uh, fix water pipes in four degree weather. Anyway, if you planted your perennials and <clears throat> the last three months, they should be okay. If you go out and buy a tree today and you go and plant it today, it should be okay. Figs are just unique plants and you just need to be patient with them. I have a unique situation for me in that I have an orange tree. I go out and I check it and it took a beating from the heat, didn't produce any oranges. I can see new little blood buds forming on it like crazy right now. I've got to find a way to make sure I can protect it during the freeze. I recently moved it. So in a worst case scenario, it takes next to no, no effort to get it into my garage to keep it from freezing. So. I'm kind of looking forward to blood oranges next spring. We'll have to see what happens as to whether or not our weather is going to cooperate or we're going to have, oh my gosh, terrible weather. And it just frees everything out. My loquats are in big bloom right now. <laughs> Uh, are in uh, big bloom right now. I hope we have a warmer winter because I want to eat some loquats. They are so tasty. Uh, folks, this is Gardening Naturally. Jane, I do see you there, but I need to break at the top of the hour for the news. I will catch everybody on the other side. 